This episode is sponsored by Social Venture Partners Boulder County, a nonprofit with a unique mission to strengthen other nonprofits. We can help you implement the strategies, processes, and leadership you need to advance your organization to the next level. Check us out at svpbouldercounty.org. Hello, I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Together, Nia and I have over 30 years of nonprofit experience. We've worked the program side, the business side, and everything in between. We are reframing the nonprofit experience by challenging the status quo, because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and unrelenting. Okay, welcome back to the Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you, my friend. And this is actually a Monday, so we're recording a week in advance of release. Today is Monday, April 20th. 420. Great day in Colorado, one of our biggest holidays of the year. It's a state holiday, an official state holiday in in the state of Colorado. (laughs) Just play up to every stereotype people have of Colorado. Hey, the shoe fits. <laughs> <laughs> so how you been doing since our last check-in? Uh, yeah, good, good. Had a great weekend. Um, nice to see the sun come out. Oh, yeah. What a relief. Bluebird skies today. It's gorgeous. So looking mm-hmm. forward to maybe getting some outside time. What about you? Yeah. The, sometimes I forget that like the metro area is a big area and my brother lives down in South Denver. We were talking on Thursday, which is when we got that massive snowstorm. Um, and he was talking about like walking home from work and I was like, oh my God, how can you even walk home in this stuff? He was like, oh, it's not so bad yet. You know, we just have a few inches. And at that point I look out and I'm like, we're at 14. <laughs> Wow, that's what crazy. The hell? <laughs> well, I know, and that's also what the mountains do, right? It's, you yeah. know, sometimes Boulder can have a totally different um, snowfall than we have even just 10 miles out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Glad to see most of that melted. I'm looking in my backyard, just a few spots left where you can see a little white snow, but oh, so nice to have the good weather coming back. It just... It feels so much more confining when it's snowy and nasty outside. So true. Nice change. We try to open all of our windows and our blinds and just to try to bring as um, as much of outside in as possible. And you're right when it's cold. And even though we, it's nice to have that cozy fire, but I much prefer being able to sit outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went deep cleaning this weekend. Oh, like, uh, I might need to talk to my therapist, like Q-tips on the baseboards, deep cleaning. (laughs) Yowzas. That's like, uh, pre-pregnancy or like pre-baby nesting type stuff right there. (laughs) Well, I can confirm that is not what's going on. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Just checking. Definitely not that. I always like to check. (laughs) (laughs) No Corona baby here. Uh, Just some significant cleaning. Well, I'm sure that felt good at the end. It did. I mean, my body couldn't move, but 
it felt really good to get the house. I mean, it, it's like spring cleaning time anyway, on top of like us being stuck in this space. And then you just become so aware of all of the things that are dirty constantly. Well, the good news is since you don't have kids, that clean feeling probably lasted more than five minutes. That is true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And my husband was working outside in the yard all day yesterday, and I put a note on the door that said, the wash machine is empty, put your clothes directly in there, and then go straight for a shower. Nice. (laughs) Do not pass go. Do not put your dirty ass on our couches that I just wiped down. Go clean yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's good. So what are we talking about today? You know, I I don't know that this is like a fully fleshed out thought. Um, I I think it's maybe a combination of like making decisions in a crisis um, and also like pivoting. God, such an overused word. I even joked about that in the last episode. But pivoting away from all these things that we have planned, whether it's events or conferences, et cetera. Um, And just like how everything is, is changing or maybe things aren't and they should. So moving into the virtual space, yeah, that, how to do that's that? A more when succinct, to decide uh, to do that? Yeah, more succinct title there than my like three sentence run on. <laughs> <laughs> that is okay. That's what I'm here for. Not that we have the answers, right? I mean, this is just no. so fast moving, and um. It's hard to know when to do that, how to do that the best way. Yeah. Well, let's start for you all. I mean, programming or otherwise, what have you moved to virtual? Yeah. Well, our programming for sure. So, you know, we have a program that works with fifth to eighth graders and it's usually hands-on learning. It's a coding program. And so we immediately had to start looking into the virtual space of um, how to keep offering that coding program. And so they're still accessing the knowledge and getting the opportunity, but now it's no longer Mm -hmm. hands-on. So we had that. And then we also, um, you know, we run a childcare center and that closed pretty early on. So how do we keep involving um, our parents and our families? So we've been doing some online learning. Um, and then also with um, this other program we have, we created a virtual book club. So I would say, you know, personally with my organization that I work with, we've been very fortunate that we're kind of in the education space Mm-hmm. And there were already options available, or it was relatively easy to pivot, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. because yeah. virtual learning exists already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what about some of your clients and some of those program that programming that you know it's not as easy to transfer like that. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of like um, any organization that's working with vulnerable populations and does some sort of case management, like having to do that virtually, that's just got to suck. Yeah. Like that's just hard. You're trying to create relationships and develop rapport and you're doing it either through a video chat or maybe even just the phone. And and that's hard. Um, and I know that that's been really hard on their um, their staff to figure out how to do that. 
Um, at the same time, though, there it's actually opened up some real opportunities for some clients um, and, and even just other organizations. This isn't a client of mine, but um, a, a friend of mine who's a consultant works with this group, and they do um, recovery programs, um, but for a very specific um subsection of the population. And so normally it's all, you know, in person, you know, think like old school 12 step kind of stuff. Well, they've gone virtual. And so now they have had an increase in participation by like 4,000%. They're now in every single state and have international participants. Like, holy cow. Well, I know, it's the, really neat. That's the thing, right? I mean, it, we don't even know how this is going to potentially change things, you know, m- moving forward, even after, quote unquote, things go back, which I don't think there's any going back, right? But, right. and what maybe um, beneficial side effects are going to come mm-hmm. of this? I've thought of that. I know this isn't exactly what we talk about on here, but I've thought of that with some of the um, church communities that I've seen Mm. that have started doing their church services online and how they've had increased participation as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people being home on a Sunday and so much easier just to turn on the TV than getting the family ready or whatnot. Oh yeah. And going to service. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I was thinking back actually to when uh, I broke my foot. So I was pretty largely homebound for a while there. Um, I mean, you remember, you brought me lunch. Yep. <laughs> uh, but it was really hard to stay connected and to stay part of things because a lot of this just didn't exist. Right. And so now I think about like being homebound, you know, for whatever reason, it's an illness, it's an injury, whatever, you're stuck at home. If these kinds of programs and and tools will continue after this, they would just have so much more support and access to community uh, because people are starting to leverage technology differently. Well, and that's the thing too, right? It's forcing the technology learning curve. So whether Mm -hmm. or not you um, work in an office and now you're being forced in order to keep your job um, to work from home and figure out all the ins and outs of that that includes, whether it's, you know, accessing your server remotely or mm-hmm. being able to navigate these Zoom meetings or go-to meetings or whatever. And so there's going to be an increased level of competency with using yeah. these virtual platforms that I think is going to allow um, us to continue using them on a broader basis. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Uh, actually, the board I sit on, we have struggled with like proper usage of conference call lines and ensuring people are integrated. And of course, now we're, we're all Zoom. Um, and so I was actually just talking to um, some of the other board members and saying like, let's, let, let's actually start documenting what's working well so that when we go back and we start to have hybrid meetings, you know, some people remote, some people in person, we can utilize that. Um, because like you said, whatever we return to is not going to be normal. Right. Like I, I'm envisioning that this is going to be kind of a, a slow rolling piece. And there are going to be some folks, like I think about the board I sit on where four or five members are 60 plus, they right. might not want to come back and be in person for longer than other people do. And so how do we ensure continued equal access for everybody uh, as we shift back, it, which I'm sure is even premature to be talking about right now. Right. <laughs> 
Well, and I think it's also forcing, um, when you talk about boards, it made me think of, you know, how you are allowed to vote on the board. Yes. And mm-hmm. so, you know, how you need a quorum and can you do it through email? Can you do it over the phone? Did it used to have to be in person, but now people are having to change those bylaws in order to adapt, which is now going to allow for greater flexibility in the future. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've actually worked with two clients in the last month to update bylaws that allow for better access for all of this. Um, and some of them are using really great tools, um, like online surveys to capture votes and things like, again, really leveraging technologies in ways that we haven't in the past. And um, as somebody who loves technology, I think that side is fantastic. As long as we ensure that we're continuing to to keep up and allowing people time to learn and grow. Because uh, I've also been involved with a couple organizations where, you know, you've got maybe the board chair who works a day job that is now fully converted to Zoom. So they jump on the call and assume everybody's ready to go. Right. And then halfway through, you're like, you know, you can only say, can everybody mute yourselves so many times (laughs) before it's just like, Sally Sue, I need you to find the little microphone and hit it because you're not muting. Right. Right. But if, if we took a step back and like, really spent the uh, the time to teach people, ensure that we even have like the same norms around this. Are we using the raise hand feature? Are we using the chat feature? Like we talk about norming in board meetings anyway. It's no different when we go to an online platform and we need to take the time to do that. That's such a great point. I wonder too, I just had this thought that if this expands people's access, because when you're talking about um, your one client who now is reaching people even in different countries, how that might help us with um, DEI. Oh my gosh, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk so many times, especially when we're talking about boards, that, you know, having the meetings in the evenings typically for a couple hours and, you know, people having to be able to get there and how do they get childcare and... Now this might be a more normative way to participate, you know, that, okay, well, you know, Jane can't be there in person. That's all right. You know, we're okay Mm -hmm. with that because we, we have done this all virtually before and we know it still works. So maybe they're, they relax, you know, some of their, um, uh, what am I trying to say? What you have to, what you have to do, your standards. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The other board I sit on, we meet in South Denver once a month, which means I've got an hour and a half commute to get there. Right. (laughs) Um, And then we're expected to go to like one of these educational sessions a few times throughout the year. I mean, so I spend more time in the car than actually in the meeting. And there's a limited number of meetings you can attend remotely. So it's like, okay, well, we've been doing this for two months now. It's working. Can we continue to do that? Which allows me to more effectively participate because I haven't spent three hours of my day just driving to and from. Exactly. Exactly. Are you familiar with uh, Slack? So I know of it, but I have never used it. Well, just in the realm of like things that people are suddenly implementing, uh, it made me think of this uh, article I read about Slack. So it allows for um, 
I mean, very basically just kind of chatting, but you get these different streams going and you can have people outside of your organization. And like, I'm on one that's like development directors and, and people are chiming in and asking questions, sending resources. Um, anyway, so Slack. I should be on that one. Oh, you should. You really should. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm making a note to follow up with you after we're done recording. <laughs> So uh, Slack has become like one of those tools that people are now really leveraging a lot more. Um, and they've tried to position themselves as like the work from home gurus. Oh. Like we are here to help you stay connected. But what's funny is they have been horrible at that internally. Like they continued to make people come into work, I think through like the end of March because oh, they didn't man. have the work from home processes set up. Oh, how funny. And now they've totally pivoted to be like, no, no, no. We, we know that this is how you work from home effectively. Follow Slack. Don't like, look behind we, the curtain. Exactly. <laughs> Assholes. Well, that's funny you bring that up because we just subscribed to um, Asana. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, or do you call it Asana? I, I've always called it Asana, but... I saw I, your face sure. when I said that, but... <laughs> In yoga, because that was like asana. slowly so. processing asana, asana, yeah, 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 whatever, <laughs> tomato, tomato. But you know, one of these kind of uh, project management tools, you mm-hmm. know, as a way, since we're all over the place, and maybe as a way to cut down on all the just emails or phone calls or texts, like, can we just have this one central place where we're tracking this project and being able to assign tasks from there and then be able to see people's, um, uh, you know, how much they've done their progress for each of their individual parts. And that is something that I definitely think we would continue using and probably would be better than any mm-hmm. processes we had before, you know? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And we wouldn't normally have the time to take on learning something new like that. So yeah, I do think there are some benefits that come out of this. What about the conferences that um, have gone virtual? Because you talked about for your board that you're on and having to do different events multiple times a year. Um, what about those? Have you seen how those have been going? The event landscape, I think, is going to continue to be a challenge. Like there, there was, I think, really just some relief and clarity when it was like, okay, everything in April canceled, done. Like you don't have to make that decision. You don't have to weigh the pros and the cons. And as we start to move outside of April, now organizations are are having to make those calls themselves. Um, and, and I think there's still some, some clear ones like, um, you know, they're still not recommending groups over what, 10 through June to get together. Mm-hmm. So like the, always it's easier when there's clarity coming from above so that you don't have to make these decisions. But, um, I just saw this analysis, um, and I'll make sure to drop it in the show notes, um, came out from the event association. Um, and basically it, it shows like, what is the risk of you having to cancel your event? Um, over these different periods of time. And it's like not till second quarter of 2020 is it really safe. Holy cow, are you serious? Yeah. And not safe like from a health standpoint, but like in terms of the likelihood of having to cancel. Right. Well, it's so tough, right? I mean, we're talking right now about reopening the economy and this slow rollout of people returning back to work. 
But then you hear about a possible resurgence in the fall. So, I mean, if we're sitting here in April and our event is in September and we're thinking, oh, well, we should be good by September, but then, well, what if there's another wave? And I almost hate to say that out loud, but that's what you're constantly having to predict, which is impossible. And, like, let's be clear, I don't think anybody would say that the U.S.'s response to this has, like, gone swimmingly. Oh, so, really? <laughs> so the likelihood of, like, more bad things happening and a, a second peak seems, like, relatively likely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so many nonprofits bumped, whether it's a gala or uh, a conference or something, like, five to six months later. And you're like, well, that that actually might not be any safer. You might have to cancel that one too. And now you're out on twice the deposits. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. So I, I have two specific clients I know who have already said, we're, we're not going to do it. We're, we're pulling the plug. We're, we are going to start planning for virtual because we don't want to be in a position where we're a month out, have to make the call then. And then we're scrambling. We'd rather just do it well from the get go and figure out how to do this virtually. And I, I give them a lot of props for making that decision early. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's such a hard decision. I know um, I have my next big event is at the end of September. And, you know, we're meeting now because that's the thing with these events, right? These are big events that take months and months and months to plan. It's not like, oh, let's wait until two weeks out and then throw it together, right? You're having to start that process now or earlier. And so I know we're sitting down and kind of looking at all those um, drop dead dates of, okay, we need to be able to make the decision by here. Otherwise, we're going to lose this money or here we'll lose this money. And so we can see and evaluate at that given time. You know, do we feel with the information that we have at this time confident to move forward, knowing we might possibly lose out on this money or not? Um, so kind of charting that out now so we realize what – so we can identify what our real timeline is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Decision-making timeline. And then also um, – planning a virtual component along with it no matter what. So it might be that we have a full virtual event or it might be a hybrid and we're going to have to make that call, which one way or the other, you know, based on that new timeline. Totally. I think that's such a good point. I mean, like we were saying with board meetings, not everybody's going to be able to come back at the same time. And so ensuring you have virtual components Ensures equal access. Yeah. And I think that is going to be so freaking critical as we start to roll things open over the next period of time. But I do think a fundraising event versus um, a seminar are maybe a little different or a conference. And going back to what we said earlier about people's proficiency in using these virtual tools increasing, um, I think... It'll be interesting to see how many conferences, webinars, that sort of thing continue in the virtual space. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that I have been able to participate in a couple of different things over the last month that I never would have been able to otherwise because they created a virtual option. And it's been really cool. 
Yeah, I, I do think that that's been neat. Uh, one of the first conferences that had to do this, um, kind of on my radar, was AFP ICON, the mm-hmm. International mm-hmm. American Fundraising Professional Conference, uh, which was in March. And so they made the call to um, initially just allow for virtual um, participation, right? Like you could choose either. Right. And then they had to make the choice uh, a little while later that like it was going fully virtual. And at first, when they made that first um, decision and started allowing people to either convert existing registration online or to buy new registration online, it was for the same price. Interesting. And it's not an inexpensive conference to attend. Let's be clear. Um, and I thought that that was so interesting. Like, I understand you, you all are so deep in this now, like your, your costs are fixed. Like you, you've missed all the deadlines, right? Your, your costs are fixed, but the benefit to the attendee has totally changed, right? Like I'm not getting my afternoon cookie. <laughs> I'm not getting my meals. I'm not getting my networking. Your networking right? like, is huge. Yeah. The networking is huge for something like that. And so, like, you do have to make some adjustments. Like, similarly, if you're going to host an online gala, think about what those ticket prices need to be. Um, like, you, you might need to be adjusting some of that. Um, at the very least, you need to adjust the tax deductibility amount because they're, they're not getting their rubber chicken dinner. Such a great point. Yes. Yeah. So I know I would love to hear from our listeners how, oh, yeah. because I'm just kind of, you know, selfishly hungry for real world stories of how it's worked for people mm-hmm. and what has worked well and what hasn't worked well for them. So if you are listening to this and you've had an event that you've had to switch to a virtual model and the event is over, please reach out to us and let us know um, how it went and and if it went better than you thought, if there's things that you learned from it, because that's the other thing. I mean, you know, we're all in this together and for the nonprofit community, we should all be in this together and we should help one another out. And I mm-hmm. think that that information could be really, really beneficial to people moving forward, to organizations yeah. moving forward. Mm-hmm. In the tips and tricks bucket of the nonprofit reframe, I want to add one thing because uh, now I've participated in a few virtual events, um, both nonprofit and otherwise, and have a a tech phone number, right? Like have a phone number oh. that people can call throughout the event so that they can get assistance. Um, that is such a great idea. There's nothing worse than leaving somebody who wants to participate with your organization stranded and feeling like they don't know what to do. Yeah. So please, please, please. Or them like trying to furiously chat with the person who's presenting. Like they shouldn't be the person who's doing that, the tech support. Have a dedicated phone line where people can call in and get help so that everybody truly can participate. That's so smart. So smart. Tips well, from Nia's bag. Yeah. Yeah. Write that down. What uh, What are our other takeaways? I, I think, again, kind of looking at the silver linings in all of this, like think through what are you doing um, in this moment of crisis right now? What are you doing, though, that's working that you can take forward um, and, and even start documenting it? Talk, mm-hmm. you know, write down how... You're um, pivoting your board meetings to Zoom and what processes you're putting in place so that those can continue. Um, really looking at what 
what kind of infrastructure you need. Like we talk a lot on the podcast about investing in infrastructure. This is the time to buy the pro version, yes. right? Of course, check your tech soup. There's probably a discount somewhere, but like go go for it. Get the the software you need so that you all can be on Asana or Basecamp or you know whatever sort of tool you need, um, and then continue to use it after this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was just thinking about um, for my organization, and I know this happens at a lot of other places too. It's hard for us to have all staff meetings if our programs are happening um, on site during the day because the staff obviously working those programs can't be a part of it. And that has been one silver lining that we, during this time, yeah, they're virtual, but we've been able to have weekly staff meetings where everybody's there. And so we've gotten to know each other I mean, it's sad, but probably better during this time than we ever did before when we were in the same building because mm-hmm. everybody was all, always off in a million different places or had to be in, um, you know, for us, it's classrooms. Like the teachers can't leave the classrooms. There always has to be right. somebody in there. So I think that too, look for ways right now that you can even be building your internal culture even if you're all over the place remotely, there's that opportunity right now. Totally. That made me think of the situation with a client last week. So we wanted to do just a quick um, recording during one of their Zoom staff meetings uh, of everybody waving and saying thank you that then we're going to put into um, an email that's going out to donors. So uh, we prep everybody in advance. The executive director is the host of the thing, so he's got record going. And, uh, and I explained, right, like we're not going to hear everybody's voices because Zoom just kind of picks up, you know, kind of the loudest ones. But if everybody shakes their hands and says thank you, it'll still be visually pretty cool. So we do it. It looks awesome. He sends me the video afterwards and he uh, didn't put it on gallery view no. on Zoom. No. It was on speaker view. <laughs> so you just get these three clips of individuals doing it or one where she's just like, eyeballs into the camera trying to figure out what's going on. That's hysterical. So That's the other thing we want to hear about. If you have bloopers, <laughs> what funny like tech mishaps have you had that you can share with us so um, we can all learn from those as well because that's such a great lesson right there. If you're going to do something like that, you got to be on gallery view. Put it on gallery view. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Well, all right. I think that's it. I, I think we that's a wrap on moving into the virtual space with the nonprofit reframe, uh, which means you should definitely be following us on socials. Uh, and we are getting back on our social game. I also just want to say, although uh, we've been a little bit quiet over the last 30 days, we're back at it. Lots of great content coming at you. So make sure you follow us. We are on Facebook, Instagram, a tiny little bit on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also email us, nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. And there's no excuse because now you know how you're tech savvy. Get on and follow us on socials. <laughs> but also, um, please remember that if you have the capacity right now, support your local nonprofits. Give and give generously. Thanks, everybody. Bye. 
We would like to thank our sponsors. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based nonprofit consulting firm focusing on fundraising and board governance. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thank you so much.